I'm going to ask you this morning, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And if you need a Bible, we'd be happy to give you a Bible. Okay? Um, today we're going to review what looks like a very simple passage in Mark chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 46 through 52. And we're going to learn of a simple person. Maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. Blind Bartimaeus. And he is a beggar who sat on the side of the road and was headed nowhere, literally. Was physically limited, was marginalized by society, but who persisted and just wanted Jesus. I've entitled this message this morning, Give Me Jesus. That's the message. I don't know if I could be more specific or succinct. Give me Jesus. And as we go into the Word of God this morning, it's my prayer that the Holy Spirit will challenge our hearts today, that the cry of this poor beggar would be the cry of our hearts, and that the blessing that followed would be the blessings of our lives as well. So let's take a look at Mark 10, verses 46 through 52. And I'll read it through, and then we'll go through the Word of God. Verse 46, And as they came to Jericho, as he was going out from Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude and a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, arise, he is calling for you. And casting aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want, my, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and he began following him on the road. Here we see in verse 46 uh, a very simple narrative, what would look like a very simple narrative in the New Testament, right? You can look at it, you can glean at it, and you could say, okay, it tells of about one healing of a blind man. But as is with Scripture, there's always so much more than what meets the eye, right? Look at verse 46. Mark says this, And they came to Jericho, and as he was going out from Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, a blind man named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting on the road. And the first thing that we're going to see here is that Jesus was heading now on his journey to Jerusalem. This is the last trip to Jerusalem. This is right before Jesus is going to be uh, crucified. Uh, New Testament Jericho was about 20 miles from Jerusalem. So Jesus is going. There's a great multitude going. You just got to get the scene here, right? We know that the, the raising of Lazarus probably produced some 
messianic fervor. The great miracles that Christ produced created messianic fervor, right? We were going to get that warlike deliverer, the one who is going to deliver us from the Roman oppression. Here he is, and everybody's on the bandwagon. Here comes Jesus. Man, he walks on water. He casts out devil. He heals the blind. He causes the mute to speak. There's nothing it appears that Jesus can't do. This is our man. Right? Wrong. Most of the people who are following him were following him primarily for what they could get out of him. Very few wanted to embrace him as Lord and Savior. But at this particular point, he's moving, he's coming. And notice that it says in verse 46 that there's, there's a great multitude that's going with him. And they stumble as they're going through Jericho on this poor little blind man, Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is Aramaic for son of Timaeus. Bar being son, Timaeus being the father. That's all we know about him. Matter of fact, Bartimaeus is the only one in the New Testament that a miracle was done that we have their name. Sometimes referred to as blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. And notice what he's doing there. He's sitting. He's sitting by the road, right? You know, beggars, poor people, people who had special needs at that time, it was routinely thought that the reason they had that was because of some hidden sin, whether it was with themselves or whether it, is, it was with their family. We see this in John 9 too. And note that at the very beginning, I want you to note this, at the very beginning of this little narrative of a phenomenal miracle, we find Bartimaeus and he is sitting by the road. He will end up, as a result of his encounter, walking on the road, following Jesus. But here we see this blind, disenfranchised person doing all they could do, which is sit along the side of the road and beg. And the difference in Bartimaeus' life is his encounter with Jesus Christ. Look at verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy upon me. Now Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus who was passing by, and like many, I think he probably was maybe caught up in some of the fervor. Hey, there's a guy that heals blind people. There's a guy that causes the lame to walk. There's a guy that's done all these great miracles. So he's not completely ignorant to the fact that a great prophet of God is going by and figuring that maybe this is his shot. Maybe this is his opportunity. Bartimaeus, although he lacked his physical sight, he had somewhat of a spiritual insight. He said, if there was going to be anything, anyone who could save, anyone who could do anything, it's going to be this, this Jesus. 
And so Bartimaeus himself will not be deterred. He will not be deterred. And we see this. This is his chance. This is his opportunity. Salvation, full and free, is here. And the Son of God is about to draw near. And in the hollow of his soul, he yearns for Jesus. Give me Jesus is the thought in his mind. Give me Jesus. I want to call your attention. It says here, Bartimaeus cried out. It's a very interesting word. Bartimaeus cries out and he says this, Son of David, have mercy on me. And I think it's pretty significant. The one that will sit upon the throne of God, he knew. Son of David, a very specific messianic, messianic term. And he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jeremiah the prophet speaks of this son of David. In Jeremiah 23, verses uh, 5 and 6, he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I shall raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will be, reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved. Israel will dwell secure, securely. And this is his name by which he would be called the Lord our righteousness. He goes on in Jeremiah 33, verses 14 and 15. He says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill a good word which I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch of David to spring forth and he shall execute justice and righteousness on the earth that cry of son of david was messianic in origin and blind bartimaeus knew it and the scripture says that he cried out it's a very interesting definition of that greek term to cry out it refers to a raven's call ah whatever a raven does but it's a shrieking sound. I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but it, no, no more. Quit while I'm ahead. But it is a shrieking cry. That's what I want to impress upon you. It is a shrieking cry. He wasn't sitting by there going, Son of David, um, will you notice me? He was crying out. He was crying out. The scripture text is going to show he was crying out so much it annoyed the people around him. He was crying and saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy, have mercy. He was not going to be deterred. He wanted to get the Lord's attention. He knew that his only hope was Jesus Christ. This was an urgent cry. The type of cry that one cries when they are in desperate need. And this cawing of a raven or crow, the shriek that goes over everything gets attention. And it's amazing. It's the cry of the desperate. Bartimaeus was not going to be denied. Bartimaeus wanted Jesus. He needed Jesus. 
He was determined to allow Jesus to hear his cry. I often think about this old church. I think about this so often. Jesus is here. Salvation is here. Full and free, much like it was available to Bartimaeus. And maybe you're spiritually blind today. Jesus passes by. And, and do you cry from your soul? Is there a desperateness for Christ? Is there a desperateness for Jesus? You know what the church needs? The church needs a desperateness for Jesus. The church needs to cry once again as Bartimaeus cried and have the same persistence and determination not to be denied, to call out to God, to cry out to Him. Jeremiah the prophet said in Jeremiah 33, 3, said, Call unto me, cry out to me, and I will show you great things, marvelous things. I'm going to show you hidden things, things that you don't even know. Bartimaeus knew the situation that he was in. Bartimaeus knew that he was uh, dependent. Bartimaeus knew that he was desperate for Christ. And his desperation took action. And in his desperation, he cries out. And I pray, O church, when will we be desperate like Bartimaeus and cry out, for Jesus. Look at verse 48. To give you an idea how desperate he was, to give you an idea of how that shriek of a cry affected those around him. Look at verse 48. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying all the more, Son of David! Have mercy on me. Note the reaction of the crowd. These are people that are following Jesus. And the crowd that's around is a mighty prophet of God is going by. So they thought. And what's their reaction? Let's move them forward so that the Lord could hear them. Let's, let's give them an opportunity that maybe Christ would open his eyes. What was the reaction? No, no, no. Be silent. Be silent. I started off by sharing with you that it was thought at that time that if somebody was, you know, had a special need, if somebody was blind or had a special need or anything, that the major thought process was, well, they're getting what they deserve from God. Somebody in their family had sinned, and that's why they are in the situation that they're in, they are in. And Bartimaeus will not be quiet. As a matter of fact, the term that it says they sternly were warning him means basically they were rebuking him. Stop, you beggar. Stop, you blind person. Stop, this is a mighty man of God. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. I liken a lot of this to those who seek for formalism and traditionalism within the church. I'm not talking about style. Don't misinterpret. But many that have a form of godliness but deny the power of God. Who in anything comes up different, you know, immediately go into a, into a tantrum. They don't want to hear people 
crying for Christ. They don't want to see people crying in the church. They don't want to do it. They just want the mechanics to be right. The mechanics to execute. Oh my goodness, there is such a, such a terrible sin when we're more concerned about the mechanics than we are about the condition of the heart. The heart of religious formalism and tradition versus the heart of pure faith. Formalism will rebuke anything that bucks the process. Oh, but the heart of faith, recognizing its desperate condition before God, will not be deterred. That is the heart of every believer. Listen, we cannot be deterred. Everything in the world is testifying against us. All the pressure of the world is coming against us. Listen, this isn't unique to America. We know about those in Canada. We know in the Western world, it's intellectualism, dead formality, poor doctrine that is replacing truth in the church. But in other parts of the world, People are paying with their very lives for the testimony of Jesus Christ. We do have an enemy, the prince of the power of the air. He does set himself in opposition to anyone or any church that dares preach the word of God the way the word of God should be preached. He has been changing and crafting. He has been using entertainment. He has been using casualness to infiltrate the church so that the church becomes less and less about delivering the message of salvation, about giving spiritual sight to those that are spiritually blind and to make it nothing more than a country club, a bunch of people getting together. We must and we must never become that. Our enemy is about, the Bible tells us, roaming about seeking whom he may devour. Jesus put it this way, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. I shared with you a few weeks ago that our enemy is a great manipulator. And although the Lord in his providence will allow us to go through times of, of trial and times of testing, even times of suffering, our enemy would take those times and manipulate it, constantly twisting it, desiring to get us to curse God and die. We cannot, we must not yield to that. For when we do, we place ourselves in a very, very dangerous situation. Bartimaeus here in verse 48, he wants Jesus and he will not be deterred. Notice again what Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They rebuke him. They tell him, shut up, stop screaming, stop annoying. But he will not be deterred. He cries out even louder, son of David, have mercy on me, have mercy upon me. He's looking for that covenant mercy. That mercy of God. 
It's the same word there in the Greek that is used in Matthew 5, 7 when Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Covenant mercy. Oh, maybe one time in 2022 I'll do a teaching again on, 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 on the Beatitudes. But the whole secret to Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is kingdom righteousness. It is about righteousness. So when Jesus in 5-7 talks about blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy, he is referring to the mercy of God, to the kingdom righteousness of God. It is that mercy which is found when one comes to Christ. When one comes to Christ in total abandonment. When one entrusts themselves completely by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It is the response of the heart to that effectual call of the Holy Spirit. When the mercy of God is revealed and the corruption of the heart is revealed and when we realize that there is only hope in the salvation offered by Christ. Some of you can remember that time where that mercy was revealed to you. When you recognize your sinful estate and God's holy estate and you figured, what can I do to, for this to be reconciled? And so you cried out to God for mercy. Well, it is true that Bartimaeus definitely wanted his sight. He wanted much more. He wanted Jesus and he was not going to be denied. His screams become more persistent. Despite the crowd's rebuke, his determination increases despite the crowd's disapproval. And I think in here's a question for us as believers. What about us? How badly do we want Jesus? Do we want them like that? Today, more and more, the crowd is yelling at us and they're yelling at us in disapproval. Stop talking about it. You know, the religion doesn't belong in the public discourse. Stop talking, stop talking, stop talking. The cancel culture and all the other different things. But what about us? Do we have that desperateness for a full revelation of Jesus? Oh my goodness. The church has settled for so much less. we got to come back in hunger and thirst for that full revelation of Christ, that full revelation of God. Why do we settle for less? Israel made the same mistake. The prophet Isaiah cries out to them, why do you use your money for what is not bread and for things that don't satisfy the world testifies to us that we have to have, we have to have, we have to have the latest, the greatest. Hey, this new gadget will make you happier. This new iPhone will make you happier. All this other stuff will make you happier. And what do you see? You see less happiness, more discontentment, more dissatisfaction. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, know this for sure, that only Christ satisfies. Only Christ. 
I don't care how you remodel your house. I don't care what kind of vacations you go upon. I don't care what gizmos you buy. You are never going to find that contentment except in Christ. We must run to Him. We must be faithful to the mission that the Lord has given to us. I often think perhaps you're sitting here and listening to this message. And you've come to the knowledge that you don't know of the mercy of God. Then what do you do? You do just like blind Bartimaeus does. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me and cry and raid the throne room of heaven until the Lord himself responds. Do not be deterred like Bartimaeus. Be persistent. Cry to him for mercy. Oh, Christian, you know what my prayer is? My prayer is that we come together, we cry to God for more. Many people who call themselves Christian don't know even the presence of the Holy Spirit. Many people who call themselves Christians don't know what it is to persevere and to tarry in prayer. Oh, Christian, you might say, well, brother, I'm saved. What I'm saying to you is cry to Jesus for more. Are you so satisfied? Can you honestly look at the throne room of gay and say, no, Lord, I'm good. Look at verse 49. And Jesus stopped. Oh, I'm going to stop there. And Jesus stopped. Why did he stop? He stopped for one reason. There was a cry of the desperate that he heard. And it wasn't from all the right standing people that were around him. It was this disenfranchised, blind beggar named Bartimaeus. The one that the crowd was rebuking and telling him to shut up. You're embarrassing us. As this throng of people go through, Jesus stops. Oh, praise God that Jesus still stops for the cry of the desperate. Jesus still stops for those who are persistent. Jesus still stops for those who call upon His name. And in the midst of all this activity and commotion, the cry of the desperate stops Jesus dead in his tracks. What a merciful, what a glorious, what a magnificent Savior we have that does that. This cry resulted in Jesus hearing and standing still. And I think it's amazing that Jesus still does this. Listen, true to his words in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, Come to me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. True to his word in John 27, verses 20. Uh, John 10, verses 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. 
Oh, praise God. He knew blind Bartimaeus, did he not? He knew blind Bartimaeus, and he said, Oh, there go one of my sheep. I hear their voice. It was no different than the Old Testament. What does 2 Chronicles 7, 14 says? If my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then what? Then will I hear from heaven. He goes on to say, I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. How great that our Lord Jesus Christ will stop and stand for a lonely sinner crying out to Him. Jesus not only heard in verse 49, but it goes on to say, He stopped and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, arise, he's calling for you. Not only did Jesus stop and say, hmm, that's the cry of the desperate, let me keep on walking. But rather, Jesus heard, stopped, and summoned blind Bartimaeus. How glorious. I think about, I I know the exact time, I know the place I was when I was broken. When the full revelation of God and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit came upon me. When I cried in my brokenness for mercy. I think one of the most saddest things that has happened in the church over the last 50 years is we have intellectualized the effectual call of the Holy Spirit. We've made it a decision. We said, well, you know, you're either in, you're either out. Just make a decision. But what we have taken out of that has been the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and the effectual call of Christ summoning someone forward for salvation. And oh, that's so desperately needed. I shared with you in this text that Bartimaeus was desperate for Christ. Do we present the gospel that way? Do we present it that you must be desperate, you must come to that place of full surrender, full abandonment, full turning to Christ? True to Jesus' words, Come to me. He stops and he summons blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus wanted Jesus. Jesus is going to come to blind Bartimaeus. Look at verse 50. I love this. And casting aside his cloak, he jumped up. And came to Jesus. I want to show you two things within that text that may not be obvious. I want to call your attention to the term casting aside his cloak. This cloak was the outer garment. 
that was used in those days, right? So there was an inner garment that was a full-length garment, and there was an outer garment that went on it. You might think of it as similar to a coat, similar to a jacket. And what we know, the little we do know about blind Bartimaeus was one, that he was blind, two, that he was a beggar, and the natural assumption was he was poor. People in those days who lived under those conditions stayed in the street begging for anything they can get just to survive. So Bartimaeus wasn't one that had a lot of property. Bartimaeus wasn't like that rich young ruler. Bartimaeus wasn't like, you know, some blind guy that was blind, but he had a beautiful house. More than likely, the extent of what Bartimaeus owned may have been that outer coat, perhaps a mat that he used to sit on while begging in the streets. But notice something about Bartimaeus regarding the call of Jesus. When this dialogue opened up, where was Bartimaeus? He was sitting beside the road. He had nowhere to go, no place to be. He was taking the position of a typical beggar, and he was sitting on the side of the road. He was crying out to Jesus. He wasn't going to be deterred. He was crying and crying and crying until such time the cry of the desperate stopped our Savior, our Master in His tracks, and our Master calls to Him. Now I think Mark is very deliberate because we know that the Gospel of Mark is a Gospel full of action. One of the most uh, significant terms we see in the Gospel of Mark is immediately, immediately. But notice what Mark says here in verse 15. He cast aside his robe. He jumped up. And he came to Jesus. You think he was excited? I think he was. This was it. This is what he wanted. This was the very determination of his heart. And I want to call your attention to something. That robe was probably the only thing he owned. And he didn't care. He threw it aside. He went to Jesus. He didn't care. Maybe it was going to be robbed. Maybe somebody else was going to be taking it. Maybe the crowd was going to trample it. It did not matter. What mattered was getting to Christ. That was the only thing that mattered. And at the call of Jesus, we see something about Bartimaeus' heart. And what we see about Bartimaeus' heart is this, is that he didn't consider anything too dear to hold on to to prevent him from going to Christ. In church, that's where we need to be today. He's not concerned about his cloak. He's not concerned about his standing. He didn't care about the people who told him, shut up, you're being an embarrassment. He didn't care about anything. His purpose, his objective was, give me Jesus, and what do I got to do to get to Jesus? So when Jesus said, come, Bartimaeus said, you got it, jumped up and went to Jesus. 
Look at verse 51. In answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. I mentioned to you earlier, it was thought in those days that if somebody was born with some type of disability, that it was result of sin. In John chapter 9, verse 2, we see even the disciples thought that way. In John 9, 2, um, they had come to Jesus, and as he, he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and notice what Jesus' disciples says. His disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned that this man or, this man or his parents that he should be born blind. That was the pervasive thought of the day. It must have been the result of sin. You must be blind because you did something. If you didn't do something, your parents did something. God cursed you, and that's why you're in that situation. As a result, the poor, those with special needs, were, were the discarded of society. They were more of a problem than they were people. Rarely would a religious leader, Pharisee, wouldn't go to them and, and minister to them. He, they may touch him and he may become defiled. I think I shared with you years ago that when Pharisees walked through the marketplace, they took their outer cloaks, they pulled it in, they cinched it in, so when they walked through the marketplace that they wouldn't touch a sinner and be defiled. Oh, how defiled we are when we hug each other, right? Because we're all a bunch of sinners, but we're sinners saved by the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. These poor, these disenfranchised, these with special needs line the streets and villages of that day. And notice Jesus' comment to Bartimaeus. He says to him, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus' approach isn't like the approach of the Pharisees, is it? He summoned Bartimaeus to him. And when he has him in his one-on-one -on -one, he asked him this pointed question, what do you want me to do for you? He makes it personal. It's not a broad appeal. It's a personal appeal. What do you want me to do for you? What would you like me, Bartimaeus, to do for you? I often think today, if Jesus were here and he asked us that question this morning at this time what would we what would we say now i know when you're in church you're particularly spiritual so am i right so we're like oh lord i would ask you but in reality a lot of what we say could be reflected in prayer or the lack thereof jesus would know your heart 
And if you're not a person that is seeking Him, if you're not a person that's praying to Him, you may find yourself in a situation where I don't know what to ask Him. Or you might find yourself in a situation and say, oh, well, Lord, I, you know, I continued help. Or, Lord, can I get out of debt? Oh, Lord, I need a bigger house. What would we say? What would we say? If Jesus said, what would you want me to do for you? I know what Bartimaeus said. Bartimaeus finds himself in a one-on-one with the eternal God. He finds himself in a one-on-one with the very one who would control his eternal destiny and the only one who would be able to grant him sight and he uses a very interesting term not used too often in the old testament in the new testament he uses the term rabboni and it doesn't simply mean rabbi it is a term that was used for the president of the sanhedrin It's a term that is more reflective of master. A term that is used for a leader of leaders. That's the term. And he asks him and he says to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. Now, I want to call your attention to this because you may say, well, that's very obvious, right? He's he's blind, he wants his sight. But there's more that goes with it. Note that Bartimaeus, this one who is blind, this one who is disenfranchised by society, this one who is cast to the side of the road, this one that to society became more of a problem than anything else. What he was asking for was simply to be human not to be superhuman. By regaining his sight, Bartimaeus will be able to rejoin society by working for himself and not begging, by engaging in normal activities and going where he wants to go and he needs to go. So it's a logical conclusion, right? Lord, I want my sight. By giving him his sight, he has access to life. Look at verse 52. Note Jesus' response to his request. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. The King James Version says your faith has made you whole. Now you might go, what a great end. That's such a great story. You know, this guy was blind. This guy was disenfranchised. He came to Jesus. Oh, look at the love of Jesus. Jesus healed him, gave him his sight, and then he marched on his way. But I love the Gospel of Mark. Not because of my namesake, 
But I love the Gospel of Mark because it's written to Gentiles. Mark uses a Greek word for that word, well. It's the Greek word, sozo. And a literal reading of the text would say, would read Jesus' response as, Go your way. Your faith has made you saved. That's what literally it means. Your faith has made you saved. You were desperate. You knew the need. You came to me. You cried to me. You persisted. You overcame the crowds. You overcame the opposition. And because of your faith, your faith has made you saved. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Mark uses a double meaning on the text. Bartimaeus is not only healed from blindness and gets his sight, but we see from the text Bartimaeus, the one who the crowd yelled at to be silent, the one who was sitting beside the road when he heard and he met Jesus, the one who was disenfranchised, does something that indicates his whole life spiritually is changed in the process. Faith had made him saved. How do we know this? How do we know, Mark, what you're saying is true? How do we know that that's literally what could be interpreted? Because let's continue to read the text. And immediately, there's that word in Mark. Immediately. He regained his sight. Is that where it ends? What happened? He regained his sight and began following Jesus on the road. That he's not like the ten lepers, right? And when Jesus healed the ten lepers, only one came back to give glory to God. And Jesus said, where are the nine others? Is there no one found to give glory to God? No. They took their healing and boom, they were gone. They didn't even have time to give blessing to God. But not Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus let go of all that he owned. Bartimaeus abandoned himself completely and fully for Christ. Bartimaeus came by faith, overcame the adversity, uh, came to Christ by faith, and the blessing and the mercy of God resulted in Bartimaeus' life being changed, and he was saved. There's a great lesson in here. The lesson was he didn't take the blessing of God and disregard God. The lesson is he took the blessing of God and followed Christ. And that is the responsibility of everybody who calls themselves a follower of Christ. That is the responsibility. The man who could not see now sees more clearly than ever. Amen? The man who had to be led around by others is now free. Amen? And rather than go on with his life and make money or do the other thing, he now becomes a follower of Jesus. Oh, this is the model of the believer in Jesus Christ, is it not? 
The believer in Jesus Christ doesn't hold things too dear, too dear to them. The believer in Jesus Christ sheds all things and says, Christ is my objective, Christ is my passion, Christ is my desire. The true believer in Jesus Christ, when he is impacted by the gospel, can no longer be content with the rest of the world and the things of the world. The spirit inside of him cries out for more of Jesus. Jesus transformed Bartimaeus' life. And I submit to you that faith that does not lead to following Christ is not true, genuine faith. Whoever asks of Jesus must be willing to follow Jesus. So what can we take away from this great passage, this great text. Originally said that the title of this is Give Me Jesus. And we see three principles here within this text. The first one, we must cry out to Jesus. And I'm talking about this for the church, believer, We must cry out to Jesus. Bartimaeus, when he heard that Jesus was near, cried out for him. Despite being told by others to shut up, to hush, he cried even louder. What about you? Are you crying out for Jesus? If you're unsaved, a non-believer, as the Holy Spirit convicts you, are you crying out to Jesus? Believer, member of this church, what about you? Are you crying out to Jesus for more? Listen, some of us are doing that on Monday night, on Wednesday nights. We're crying out for Jesus more, 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 more. Give us more, oh God. The second thing. We must be willing to let go of everything for Jesus. It could be reasonably said that as a beggar, the only thing Bartimaeus owned that kept him warm at night was his cloak, that outer garment. But when he had that encounter with Christ, he was willing to cast it aside. He let it go, not knowing if someone would steal it or take it. It was worthless versus the opportunity to receive a touch from the Master. What are the things we're holding on to? Clinging to? That is preventing us from receiving blessings from the Lord? What is the thing that you are, you are telling the Lord, Lord, you can have everything except this? What are those things? Bartimaeus was willing to let it go to receive his blessing from the Lord. What about us? Lastly, the third thing, we must begin to follow Jesus on the road. Our Lord stated that Bartimaeus' faith, that your faith has made you saved. Is the evidence of your encounter with Christ 
Is it such that people would say, he's a follower of Christ. She's a follower of Christ. Are you walking with Jesus? Are you testifying for Jesus? Or are you idle, unable to move forward, blind, looking forward to the next miracle that you desire that never comes? Faith that does not lead to discipleship, to following Jesus, is not genuine faith. Learn the lesson of blind Bartimaeus and come and repent. Turn to Christ. Be saved. Get your spiritual sight and join us on the road to following Jesus. Amen? Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Mighty Father, we come to you this day And we pause, Lord God, at the profoundness of your truth. Father, we pray. Give us Jesus, Lord. I think of John Knox who cried, Give me Scotland, Lord, or I'll die. Oh God, give us Jesus lest we die. Father, we pray time and time again for revival. We pray again for an awakening, Lord, in this day and age. We pray that, Lord, not that we would have some mystical experience. We pray that, Lord, so that you would receive the glory and the honor that is due your name. Father, awaken us, O God. Turn our hearts away from all the distractions of this world. All its possessions, all its materialism. And Lord, make us desperate that we must have Jesus. The fullness thereof, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the manifest presence of God. We beg you, Lord, lest what we do would be all wood, hay, and stubbles, Lord. And Father, it is our prayer that if there's anybody here, anyone who listens to this message, that knows not the Master, but knows that they are desperate, Lord, may they cry out to Christ for mercy. May they cry out and say, God, save me, Lord God, a sinner. I want to know that life-changing power that Bartimaeus knew. I want to know that life-changing power that others know. I want to be content and satisfied and filled in Christ and Christ alone, Lord. Save me, a sinner, and that they would come to know that there is salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Lord, we ask you for this. We beg you for this. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen.